1: Hello, this is Dr. Joe Beam. Welcome to Marriage Helper Live. It's a program where we talk about relationships, but hopefully talk about relationships with you. What's on your mind? What are you thinking about? What's bothering you? What do you think you might be able to do better? All kinds of things like that. And it's up to you as to which question you ask. Now, if you wish to, what you need to do then is to call us. And you can call us at our number here on this program <laughs> I just clicked the wrong button and lost the number. hang on one second, I'll have it here. Uh, you can tell that uh, I'm not five years old and I don't know technology. It's six five seven three eight three. Zero eight one two. That's six five seven three eight three zero eight one two. And if you wish to speak to me, then call that number. And when you hear the answer, press the number one on your phone. And when you do that, it'll put you in the queue to have your call screen, which hopefully will lead you to finally being on the air with me. We look forward to it, and want to help you as best we possibly can. And so we're going to go ahead and start with a call right now from North Carolina, and we're going to go to Kevin in North Carolina. Hi, Kevin. How are you today? How are you doing? I am rocking and bopping, my friend. How may I help you?
2: Oh, I've got a question about the um, there's a guide on Marriage Helper called Are You Controlling or Dominating?
3: Uh-huh.
2: And that th- through that guide is how I figured out that I was controlling, mm-hmm. and um. Basically, it states in there that you to give that to your wife at some point or to your spouse at some point. And I was wanting to know, based on my circumstances, when would be a good time. Um, she left four months ago. There's no affairs of any kind. Um, when, when she left, she told me that she was, well, when she left, she said she was basically done and over with, but then, when she found out that I was willing to work on it for some reason, she thought that I wasn't going to be willing to work on our marriage.
3: Mm-hmm. She
2: said that she said that when she found out that I was willing to that she was willing to, but since then has been all the only thing I get out of her is I'm not promising you anything, and mm-hmm. she doesn't say anything about we're seeing individual counselors, she won't do anything. As far as working on the marriage. Mm-hmm. And, of-
1: and so, when did she first make that comment that she, uh, when she found out you'd be willing to work on it? How long ago was that?
2: That was two days after she left.
1: Okay. And that was four months ago, if I heard you correctly, right? Yes.
2: Yeah. Yes. Four okay. months ago today.
1: Mm-hmm. And when she left, did she give you a reason? Or since she left, either. Has uh, she just given you a reason?
2: She did. She would not then basically it was because I I mean, it was because I was controlling her and the things that I was doing. And they just build up and build up to a point to where she okay.
1: basically and she take said anymore. that and she actually said that she um, said that you're controlling.
2: She did not say that. She told me a bunch of like things. She was giving me individual things that I had done.
1: Uh-huh. And, and those were things that you uh, understand then that she was in essence telling you that you were controlling. Is that correct?
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, and then when I started reading that, that guide, I mean, it Mm -hmm. was like, holy cow, the the things that I've been doing.
1: Mm -hmm. So if she already believes that you're controlling, what advantage do you think there is to getting her to to, uh, complete that now?
2: I, that's the thing. I didn't know if it would be an advantage to that. I mean, I didn't know. I was trying to find out if, if I should give it to her, I mean, or if I should wait to give it to her later. Or.
1: Mm-hmm. And you guys, are you talking to each other at all?
2: Very little. I mean, it's just whenever we're swapping the kids back and forth pretty much. Mm-hmm.
1: And in those conversations, is there any openness, any like a true conversation, or is it basically just business stuff like here's the kids and here's when you get them next?
2: Uh, basically, I mean, there, there has been a, I mean, this is a, most of the conversation I have to initiate. i And like when we're swapping kids over, I ask her how her day's going, how her like, I mean, mm-hmm. she was, she, I mean, the schools are out now, but I mean, her job is in, is within the school system. Right. And, and, and I so would ask her, her how many questions.
1: How, did she answer, uh, warmly or was it just curt answers like
2: that? Uh, I mean, we actually had breakfast together about a week and a half ago with me, sure. her and the kids. And I mean, we talked, I mean, and I was asking her about what her plans are for next mm-hmm. year. I mean, so, and she would okay, so the conversation talk. went
1: well, right?
2: Yeah. I thought so, mm-hmm. but I mean, that was...
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know who <laughs> else you we can... would ask interpret that because you're the one that's talking to her, not us, but here's my, here's my suggestion, Kevin. Here's what I recommend that you do. Now you of course have to make your own decision, but It may be that you could find some value in this if indeed you can have conversations that are comfortable. In other words, do not do what I'm about to suggest. Do not do what I'm about to suggest if you think that in any way she's going to react negatively. And if you do start to do it and she starts acting negatively, then stop. And here is what I would recommend. And if you can communicate, say to her, you know, I've been looking for around some things, trying to become a better person on my own. I'm not going to give you the exact wording here, just the idea, Kevin. I've been looking around at things, trying to become a better person on my own. And I found these people and they had a document about controlling. And I looked at that little thing in there, the questions that you rate And by golly, I can see some things about myself. Would you do me a favor? If I gave that to you, would you honestly rate it? Because I'm trying to learn more about me because I don't want to be that way. Now, if you do that, Kevin, do it just that way. I'm asking you to do it for me. Don't tell her you're doing it so you can make things better, so you can put the marriage back together. My recommendation is that's a conversation a little later. Right now, the conversation is, you know, I'm beginning to see I'm beginning to understand. I'm beginning to grasp how I've been treating you. And I'm just asking you to help me understand it better. And if you will go through this and look at this document, read this, write these things, and then tell me honestly. And and I'm not going to defend myself. I'm not going to argue. I am truly trying to learn. Now if she then will do that, if that's the big if, but if she then will do that, and, and don't force her, don't push her, if she's reluctant, and just say, Oh, okay, I don't want to push, here it is if you want to do it, if you don't, that's fine. But if she indeed does do it, then in that next conversation when she's giving you the answers, like, well, yes, Kevin, this is applicable, this applies to you, this is what you did, then then you can lead into a little bit deeper conversation by saying, you know. I can see that now. If indeed you can, don't lie. I can see that now. How, how should I do that differently in the future in my life? In other words, not how should I do that differently in the future with you? Because if you do that, it's kind of saying, uh, okay, you, you're going to have to help me get back together with you. We should not, not be ready for that. If indeed she is ready for that. If she is, then it could be, okay, help me understand how I could do that better in the future with you. If she's not that far along yet, then how can this help me in the future? Because I don't want to be that way anymore. And hopefully that leads into more conversations where she becomes more open, becomes more vulnerable to you, if you will. And in the process of doing that, hopefully, hopefully in the process of doing that, that's when you start getting into those deeper and deeper and better conversations. So that's my recommendation, friend. You do whatever you think is best. Okay, It's whatever you think is best. But that's how I would do it. And you make a decision for yourself. And by the way, I hope I'm I'm glad that what we had online helped you learn about yourself. And now we're gonna go over to Arizona and we're gonna to speak to Claire. Hi Claire, how are you?
4: Hey Doctor Beam, I'm doing good. How are you?
1: I am rockin' and bobbing, my friend. How may I help you today?
4: Okay, so I'm gonna to try to be super concise because um I babble, so I've got this down for you. So, uh, my husband and I are in the middle of a divorce. Um, he filed for divorce in December after he left, um, he was having an affair with a coworker. Um, they live together now they've lived together since the day he moved out. We attended your workshop in Nashville, the weekend before Christmas. And it was amazing. That was wow, man. I mean, if it's not going to eventually one day save our marriage, it changed me for sure. Um, Hmm. so. We currently are in the process of finally the courts have opened back up. The divorce is now moving forward, and things mm-hmm. have turned ugly. Like, oh. we really didn't have much communication in the last few months other than mm-hmm. just business-related stuff. We have a four-year-old. Um, and our four-year-old, we've been sharing custody half and half. It, that would not be my preference. But in the state of Arizona, that's kind of the default setting is – dad gets half, mom gets half, unless it's absolutely dire straits that one parent shouldn't right. have a child.
3: Right. So, which right. is
4: frustrating, but I do believe that he is a good dad. I just think that this is an unfortunate situation. So the mm-hmm. girlfriend slash co slash affair partner is so, 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 so controlling. I mean, like, holy smokes, mm-hmm. like I can't speak to my husband without her around. She oh, has to be around if I'm going to speak to him. Um, so that is... Super frustrating. And I think I know the answer to this, but I kind of just need a little bit of reassurance here that, like, this is pretty par for the course in terms of if you have a super controlling affair partner who's definitely pushing the divorce, that things are probably going to get ugly. Would that be expected mm-hmm. that the divorce process gets ugly?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, could Do I be, hang if on tight pray. and
4: just kind of kind of just hold on to hope. Is there hope that things could, I mean, I know you say that like divorce doesn't mean that it's the end, That people get remarried all the time. You got remarried, you know, and you do tell about Mm -hmm. how it was an ugly process for you and Alice through the divorce. And so Mm -hmm. I kind of just hold on to that. Like, okay, maybe, maybe it can still be okay one day. He is very blind to everything. Her parents are super involved. Her parents her parents and her parents also actually work with the both of them at the same company.
1: Is that not a while? How old is this woman?
4: Uh, She's 23.
1: And how old is your husband? And he's 29.
4: 29.
1: 29. Okay. And mama and daddy want her to marry him. Apparently want her, him to uh, to divorce you to marry them.
4: Okay. Mom and dad. Full custody of the kids.
1: (laughs) Full custody of the kids. So yeah. what, are they, what are they basing that on, Claire? Are they claiming you're a drug addict or a, an alcoholic or something? I mean, how can they even yeah,
4: begin to so think that? so I don't know how it? they've. I know the vilification process is like a fair 101. Like I get that, and I totally understand that. It doesn't make it really any easier mm-hmm. to accept that that's the case. It's hard and it hurts, and sometimes I cry mm-hmm. myself to sleep, or you know, I just I'm so upset and so hurt that
3: yeah, I could be I get vilified
4: you. so hard, but. It's yeah. just kind of part of the process, and I understand that. But
3: mm-hmm.
4: it, it hurts so, that, like, I have been crucified oh, so hard. I'm sure it
1: does. I, I know mean, the pain fact, is So what what oh, can I do for you today, Claire? How may, how may I help you?
4: So is it is it pretty typical in terms of the process of just trying, someone trying so hard to get out that, you know, that they feel trapped? Like, okay, so I haven't had to drag out the divorce. It's the, thank goodness the COVID, it kind of did it on its own. Right. And I mm-hmm. think that he feels more and more trapped the longer it goes that we don't have the final, <clears throat> the divorce finalized and that kind of stuff. And I'm sure she's putting mm-hmm. pressure on him to make it be completed.
3: Mm-hmm. Does it
4: sound pretty typical that like it would start to turn pretty ugly if he feels in sure. into a corner or trapped or Absolutely. would that be common?
3: Mhm.
1: Very common. You know, when people feel that they don't have control, it, it can lead to all kinds of things. It can lead to depression. It can lead to anxiety. It can lead to rage. It can lead to a, ton of different things when people feel controlled. And the interesting thing here is what I'm hearing, and of course, you know, Claire can only go by what you're saying here, but what I'm hearing is she's the one that's making the pressure occur. I mean, the pandemic worked for your advantage and that kind of thing. And so the good news is at some point, the fact that her parents are backing this actually may be the backfire that changes things because is your husband, one of these kind of people that just wants to be controlled, lets people control him, or is he stronger and have more of a backbone than that?
4: You know, he's pretty go with the flow. Um, in the disc profile, we learned that he's an S and that totally makes sense. He's steady. Mm-hmm. Consistent. He, he will just kind of go. In, with the and flow, which are so you on the disc profile? Once he's, Wh- which one? Well, which I'm, which one a, are I'm you? a C. I'm a C.
1: Okay, a so you're analytical sure. and logical. Okay. Well, yeah. at some point, even completers, at some point, completers, anybody, any human being on the planet, at some point just gets tired of being controlled. Now, uh, uh, is what you're describing common? The answer is yes. If, so, if the other person's putting that kind of pressure, then yes. The fact that her parents who work with them is also, that they're also contributing to that, which, by the way, just tells me that they are, they are just a prince of people, aren't they? Did you do hear the sarcasm in that, by the yeah. I want to make sure you heard the sarcasm Oh, gosh, in that.
4: I did. <clears throat>
1: yeah. And it's kind of refreshing and, to
4: hear someone else say the same thing, because I can sit <laughs> here and say, like, how uh, dare they? They are awful. Uh, side it's the other.
1: But, it's oh. it, it, it indicates a moral system to which I do not subscribe. Let's put it that way. So in the situation that you're talking about, yeah, it's very common for it to occur like you're describing. And I don't know how much you gain by dragging it out further, except to have him have more pressure. And if she's that strong against him, if she's that strongly trying to control him, then it's going to be more likely that if you continue to drag things out, that rather than reacting toward her, he's going to react even that much more toward you. Remember, the people tend to take their anger out on who they think is the safest target. And if he has this limerick thing going on with her and her parents adding to that, then, yeah, him doing this, if you try to drag it out, he's probably going to do it even more, more of the occasion. And he'll be getting fed that from her and from her parents and other people. So, yes, I'm going back to what you asked, and it is very common. I am so, so very sorry to hear it. I am convinced that someday this man that you have married is going to look around and think, what the heck did I do? And how in the world did I let this person take such control over me? But that's probably not going to happen today, Claire, or even tomorrow, Claire. It might be down the line somewhere. So uh, my suggestion is make sure you've got a good logger. Make sure you take care of yourself. Don't panic when they think they're going to try to get full custody. You already said that in your state that's, that's not going to happen unless somebody's proven to be totally uh, unable, uh, either by morality or by alcoholism or something. So they're not going to get your kids. Are they going to be around her? Yeah. But that's why you're going to be even that much more loving and kind and friendly. And let's just hope. Let's just hope and pray this guy comes to his senses before he marries that controlling dominating woman. Okay, now we're gonna go over to California and talk to Maria. Hi Maria, how are you today?
5: Hi, good. How are you?
1: I am rocking and bopping. How may I help you, my friend? <laughs>
5: um, I am calling um to to see if you can help me. Um about a month ago my husband told me that he wants to separate. Um, last week he closed escrow, um, he purchased a new home, um, which I think is where he's going to be moving out. Um, he did tell me that he wants to let our daughter know that he's going to be moving out,
3: Mm -hmm. but I
5: don't want to. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's too soon to let her know. How
1: old is your daughter? Uh,
5: She's 11.
1: 11. How mature
3: is your Um, daughter?
5: I want to say mature enough to maybe understand because mm-hmm. she has friends in school that they that she, their parents also separated.
1: So if you didn't have this conversation okay. with your daughter and your husband moves away, isn't she going to be asking questions?
5: Um, I think so. I think she will ask questions.
1: Okay. Um, and and I understand why. why you don't want to tell her. I do get that. I understand why you don't want to tell her, but it sounds like Maria, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. So please, please don't think I'm trying to be judgmental. I'm just going to tell you what it sounds like. It sounds like that you are a kind, loving, gentle person. You really love your daughter. You love your husband. You love your family, but that somehow in your mind, it sounds like in your mind, that if, if we don't tell her about it, even if it moves away, somehow it it's not as real. And, and so maybe we don't tell her right now, but if she's even a typical 11-year-old, and especially if she's a more mature mentally uh, 11-year-old, and it's always better, I say always, almost always better for anybody, including children, to not be wondering what is happening, but to have some idea of what's happening. You see, the unknown can be much, much more terrifying than the known. And so if indeed he's going to move out, and you don't have a conversation with her beforehand, my fear is that she's going to have even more angst, even more anxiety than she would if you have the talk. And so if you're going to have this conversation, here's the recommendation. You do it together and you tell him up front, you know, I'm going to be in on this. We're going to do it together. and, And I'm not going to throw you under the bus and you don't throw me under the bus, but we will both be very honest with our daughter. We're going to be honest. And so when you're telling her, if she asks you questions, you answer those questions honestly. And if she looks at me and says, Mom, do you want him to go? Do you want to separate? Then understand, I'm going to tell her, no, I love your dad. I wish we could work it out and he could stay here. But you're not going to do it in a way that throws him in the bus. You're not going to say, look at him. He's doing the wrong thing. Can you see what your dad's doing? You're not going to do it like that. But you can be honest. Very honest with your daughter. No, it hurts me. I do what she would say. And you can tell him up front. That's how the conversation is going to go. If she asks questions, I'm going to answer. Honestly, I ask you to do the same. And then both of you reassuring her repeatedly, if indeed it's true, I know it's true of you. I'm going to assume it's true of him that you love her. And so that way she gets to ask the questions. If she, if she demonstrates anger, he gets to see it. If she doesn't demonstrate anger, it's because probably she's going to pull it inside for a while and, and try to figure out in her own heart and mind how she feels about everything. But it appear, I would suggest, Maria, that it's a whole lot better for her to have knowledge than just to see him move out and wonder what's going on. What's going on? Because as, as painful as it's going to be to know, I think it's probably going to be a lot more painful for her not to know. Does that make any sense to you at all, my friend?
5: Yeah, 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 it does. Um, How about do we, um, family, Um, my parents, um, we've been to, we've gotten together several times and um, my husband has been just absent and I keep making up stories.
3: Well, um, I, I well, don't know that making up it ever forward. helps.
1: You know, if if um, it's kind of a balance here, Maria. So let me see if I can explain it in a way that makes some sense. If people go immediately to other folks, like when the problems first start and say, my husband's doing this, my husband's doing that, oh my goodness, are you on my side? That's what we tend, we tend to say, throwing the spouse under the bus or spouse bashing, because it starts putting people on your side and thinking negatively about him. In which case, whatever counsel or advice they're going to give you probably is going to be biased because they love you and they don't want to see you hurt. And whatever suggestions they give you, no matter how wise they are, biased people, people tend to give biased advice, bias in the sense that they love you. They care about you. But once he leaves, I mean, doing that ahead of time, you know, we tend to say, that's not a good idea. It's just going to, it's just going to build up animosity. But once he leaves and, and now it's kind of a, you know, it's a fact, he's not living here anymore. If he leaves, i hoping pretty changes his mind, but if he leaves, then I think that when people say, why isn't he here? You say, well, he's decided to live someplace else. If they start pushing you for details, be very, very careful about giving those details. Because if you do that, you're liable to build up a lot of animosity on those people toward him. And if at some point you guys be able become able to work this thing out, maybe put it back together, you really don't want them feeling all those really negative things about him. So don't lie. Don't make up stories. That always comes back to bite you in the rear end later. Don't make up stories. Don't don't lie. But at the same time, don't give them all the details either. Just enough of, well, does he left for another woman? You can answer that however it is properly. And, and do you still love him? Yes. Would you like to put it back together? Yes, I would. But try not to give them too many details just like I would recommend that you not give your daughter too many details. So, for example, back to the original question, if the two of you sit down with her, if the daughter asks any questions that would create in her mind a visual. Now, I'm speaking broader than you, now, Marie. I'm speaking to the entire audience. So let's say, for example, that well, she say it's a mom and she's leaving because she wants to be with another man. Then a child, particularly one that's got um, enough understanding of, of sexuality, might ask a question such as, well, have you blanked? And when they ask that kind of questions, and I'm now speaking not just to you, Maria, but the whole audience out there, when they ask that kind of question, we recommend that you say, you know, that's really not appropriate to talk about because you don't want to say anything that creates a visual in that child's head of, of something like that, okay? Uh, so try not to do those things. So I do recommend that you have the meeting with the child, and I know I know you want to avoid that. I get it, but I recommend that you do. And then if he indeed does leave, um, I'm recommending that, yes, you know, as appropriate, tell your family. Don't lie for him. And now we're going to go over to Colorado, and we're going to talk to Chris over there. Hi, Chris. How are you today?
6: Good, Doctor. How are you?
1: I am rocking and bopping. How may I help you, my friend?
6: Um, I'm going to try to give you the shortened version. I'm getting a lot of feedback. on am end. Hopefully, you're able to hear me okay.
3: Um, I can so far. Mm-hmm.
6: marriage. We met very young. I was 21. She was
3: 19.
6: Fell in love. We both had children from other relationships, went the family. Um, anyway, um, over the last 15 years, we've had plenty of ups and downs, military moves, things like that, a single-income family, me being the provider, her being a stay-at-home mom. Um, our anniversary, 15-year anniversary, was about two months ago, the night before. She basically told me, not basically, she called me in the room and told me, I don't want to celebrate our anniversary tomorrow. I know we have gifts, but I just want out. I want a divorce. Um, and just being totally transparent, doctor, um, over the last five years, her entire family—my, her brothers, her sister, uh, her mom, and dad—they all fell into drugs
3: hmm.
6: heavily. She lost all of them, either one, one or two, one from death, and then the rest just to the streets. We hmm. ended up adopting our niece and nephew uh, full time. Hmm. They have a lot of trauma and therapy things like that and uh, during that same time, I got very controlling. She was pulling away. I felt like there was another man. I made her feel like not good. Her words were trapped, controlled, imprisoned, terrified, bullied, tortured. And being, you know, being more self-aware now and doing a lot of reading and trying to work on my pies, she's right. Um, And really it came to a point about a month ago, she went to go see a friend of hers that she's known for about 20 years. Immediately went to a physical place for the night. She came home. She was in bed for two days, lied about it for a couple of weeks, but I just knew something was wrong.
3: she
6: mm-hmm. um, did it. I um, it. And I basically clean after.
1: Chris, you're, you're breaking up on me now, my friend. I'm, I'm, I'm losing you. So I'm, I'm not hearing what you're saying right now. Uh, oh. Can you maybe hold the phone closer or something? I lost the last 30 seconds there
6: basically uh can you hear me now
1: yeah i can now mm-hmm.
6: she she basically had a one night stand with a long time friend mm-hmm. she regretted it she lied about it mostly came clean mm-hmm. no passion it was just a check in the box because she knows that i had cheated on her and she's known for years and i never openly admitted it and i walked her through it that when we first got married and i was away at school i had mm-hmm. been an unfaithful in the first year of our marriage a handful of times and i carried it with me all those okay. But so passion, how are things guess, right now right are you guys
1: yeah. still living together
6: Yes, we are. She's got her sisters right now, house-sitting for 10 days mm-hmm. with the kiddos. She took them mm-hmm. with her. Uh, I'm just and having so, a hard time controlling myself, being
3: positive. We have good enough. Controlling right there.
1: Okay, you're breaking up on me again. And what I'm hearing you say is that you have a hard time controlling yourself when it comes to your anger. Is that what you were saying?
6: My anger, as you know now, it's just about the panic and coming from a desperate place.
1: You are? You're about to panic? You're coming from a desperate place? Is that what I'm hearing you say?
6: Yes, push behaviors, and I'm really trying hard, but um, I, yeah. I wanted to get into your course, Doctor, and um, I'm, I'm usually a very successful man. It's senior mm-hmm. income, and, and uh, I'm broke as a joke right now, but I'm just hmm. I'm hoping you might be able to help me out even with like an IOU. I'm good for it.
1: <laughs> so what is it then that you're asking me for? What, what would you want me to do for you, Chris?
6: I'd like to do the 10 week course, and even if it's in an IOU capacity, uh, I'm hoping to be working again. Mm,
1: no, 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 IOU. It's, it's my gift. You're, you have the 10 week course, my gift. Okay. What else can uh, I do I for you? I appreciate
6: you so much. I've got to say, you're very welcome. Even for me.
1: <laughs> okay. Is there something else I can do for you right now? What's that? Is there anything else I can do for you right now? Oh, I think I must have lost Chris. Oh, I'm so sorry the connection. Okay. <laughs> Just as mine cut off, he came back. So I'm so sorry about that. Chris, we're writing down your telephone number. One of our team will be calling you right away. And, and it's my gift to you. You will get the, the 10-week course. as my gift. So don't worry about any IOUs or things like that. It's for you. Go through that, my friend. Let's see if we can help you get calmer, get more... Signs of control over yourself, that kind of thing, and and then then if we can help you further, you can talk to us. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to find out what else we can offer, well, don't worry about that. Right now, you, I know you're having some difficult times, and let's just do one thing at a time. The one thing at a time would be this: just just take that two-minute course. So I'm going to be calling you soon about that, and and start it right away. It also comes with some phone calls. Uh it's, it's not a one-on-one phone call, but some phone calls, I think those happen on Monday nights. I'm pretty sure that's correct. And on Monday night, you know, one of our coaches or one of our admins, some somebody on our staff will do a live call. And they try to answer as many questions as they possibly can just for the people in that group. And so those of you out there who are saying, well, what is this in me course? It's called Save My Marriage. It's 10 weeks. It's video driven, but you can go through it at your own pace you know, your own pace, whatever that might be. And it's designed to be done over 10 weeks, but if you want to do all 10 (laughs) immediately, you can. If you do, I would recommend that you still go back and do the other nine over the nine more weeks so that, you know, things can kind of settle in and make sense to you. There are PDFs to read, there are some exercises to do, and there are Monday night group phone calls that, uh, you know, somebody on our staff will do where they can answer as many questions as they possibly can. I think those questions are submitted in advance. I haven't done that one in a while myself, so I'm not quite sure about that. And the way you can find out about that, the way you can find out about our online course is to go to marriagehelper.com. That's marriagehelper.com. Or you can call us here in the USA at 615 472 1161. That's 6154721161. And if you do that, well, because of the fact that our office is not open right now because of the pandemic, the message will be getting gotten to whoever needs to get it. And he or she, one of our CRs, our client representatives will call you back and they can help you get into that 10 week course that saved my marriage course. And that's the one that he was asking about. Okay. Now we're going to move over to Virginia and we're going to talk to Brenda Hi, Brenda. How are you today?
7: Hello. I'm doing well. Hello. How are you?
1: Rocking and bopping. How may I help you, my friend?
7: Um, well, I'll try to be as quick as I can. Um, I've been married for about 22 years now, no no children. We were high school sweethearts, and um, about a year and a half ago, he left, and at first said he wanted a divorce because he said he could not fix himself in our relationship. And then I think alcohol was a big problem. So we went for a good while and and didn't really talk and he was very sporadic. But within about six months, he started to talk to me and, um, and he does say that he does not want a divorce and that he does want to move forward. But for Mm -hmm. the last, probably eight months or so, we're talking some, it's very sporadic, but we do talk some and we do some things together, but he is still, um, kind of non-responsive many times. And I, and I don't know sometimes if that's the alcohol or Mm -hmm. I think he's got some emotional problems he's dealing with. Maybe, maybe Mm -hmm. even PTSD, but I'm not sure. Um, -hmm. so anyway, I, I struggle with, do I contact him or do I not? And I, I, with the smart contact thing, because, um, I I don't want to push him away and he seems to want to do things with me, but he's just not himself and he hasn't been for, for a long time. And so Mm -hmm. he's just, he's not really moving forward. In other words, he says he wants to, and we'll talk about that and. And we'll say things. I'll say things like, you know, what what do you think the next steps are? And he'll say, I'll think about it. And then a month or two goes by and nothing happens. So,
1: mm-hmm. um, but when you do talk to him, when you do communicate, he's he's comfortable with that. It's not like leave me alone, don't bother me. You actually do have a conversation of some kind, right?
7: Yeah. When when he does answer, and when and when and sometimes he calls me, and sometimes mm-hmm. we'll have lengthy conversations. So. They're, mm-hmm. they're good in that response. In that regard, okay. he doesn't, he doesn't say don't call me, which is, good. that's why I'm do saying Do you have you. any <laughs> chance
1: Brenda, do you have our smart contact toolkit by any chance?
7: Yes, sir. I did. I did go through that and it was very helpful. Um okay. Very helpful. Good. And I try to stay calm with him and, and, you know, be mm-hmm. firm, but calm. And, um, and I don't, I try not to bug him too much, but,
1: Good. But what he's I'm here to say is that you believe right that <laughs> you believe he's got some kind of addiction going on, right?
7: I believe so. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay.
3: And I have think you, by
1: any is, chance, gone to our website, marriagehelper.com. And if you do on marriagehelper.com, you can look up a thing called boundaries. We, we don't call them boundaries anymore when you now have a different name for it. But back when we still call them boundaries, I did an hour and 15 minute audio. And, and if you go to uh, our website, marriagehelper.com, go to that little search engine at the top and look for boundaries, you'll find it. This one is called the Definitive Guide to Boundaries. Actually, you probably could just type that in on Google, the Definitive Guide to Boundaries. And if one comes up that has my name with it, it'll be that one, it'll be the audio. And in the, that one, I spend an hour and 15 minutes talking about the things, the boundaries that you draw. Here are the lines that should not be crossed. I also talk about in there, things about these are things that really should happen. Now I'm not saying that you're at the place yet where you really need to be doing that, but I am thinking that you're probably at the place where you'd need to start understanding that more. Have you by any chance listened to that hour and 15 minute audio?
7: I don't, I've listened to a lot of them, but I don't think I have Mm -mm. that particular one so far.
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to recommend that you do that because you think he has an addiction. And so just listen to it. I'm not saying it's time to draw those lines. It may not be, but I would like to get you to start thinking about if, if it comes a time when you say, okay, we've got to deal with this addiction. This is what's going to have to happen. If you get to that point, which you're not at now, then having that knowledge, having, you know, at least some basic understanding of it will be really, really beneficial. And at the same time, um, with this addiction thing, has anybody ever tried to do any kind of intervention with him to get him to stop?
7: Other, other than my, myself over the last several years, even before he left, I, I tried to. But no, no, no formal, he, I just don't think he would respond, to be honest. Um,
1: yeah. Well, they, they very, very, very seldom will respond. It's extremely uh, rare if they respond to an intervention by the spouse. If, if an intervention is going to be done, it has to be done by other people. Well, if that ever becomes a time and a place to do that, you can also, in that same search engine on marriage if you type in intervention, it'll take you to a page where you can listen to two 45 minute audios and also a PDF booklet, that's like 35 pages or something about if, if any of his friends, people that care about him ever decide to do an intervention. And again, it can't be you. Then you can, hand them that resource. Here, this tells you how to do that. So right now, what I'm hearing is this. I'm hearing the question is, okay, uh, um, he will talk to me. I'd call him. And usually he answers. He's not unhappy talking to me. And is there a specific question then in that, Brenda, that somehow I missed?
7: Well, I think that, so. yeah, I think so. Um, well, I'm just trying to think of the right way to word it. Um, I guess I just feel like I don't really know anything else I can I know I can't make him do anything but he he keeps giving the message that he wants to move forward but yet not doing anything and so
3: mm-hmm.
7: I didn't know if there was anything else I can do or sh- should I back off and give him a period of time I, I don't it's been a month and a half, I mean it's been a year and a half yeah. so it's not like it's recent yeah. and
1: if indeed um, he I, is involved in addiction then backing off is probably not going to do any good the addiction will just continue to go but it's up to you, Brenda. It's up to you. I, now, now hearing that specific question, I really do think you really should go listen to that definitive guide to boundaries audio. It's free hour and 15 minutes and, and make some notes and think about that through. You have a, basically a couple of choices, my friend, actually two or three choices. One is you just don't contact him anymore and whatever happens, happens. The other is, and this is kind of the other extreme is that you, you do contact him and say, look, uh, I I need some kind of closure on this one way or the other. I would love for us to work things out. And so here is what I'm recommending that we do. And in that one, you say, let's do this. And then whatever that is, have it all planned out ahead of time. Don't be stumbling around for words when you get there. But I want us to, and it might be something like come to our three-day workshop, for example, or it might be going to see your pastor and whatever it might be. And so either you do nothing at all, and just wait to see what's going to happen. Or you go ahead and take some kind of action right now, but understand that if you take that action, have a definitive plan in mind. This is what I'm asking you to do. Will you do this? And if he says, yes, then you're on your way, at least starting on your way. let's put it that way. And if he says, no, then you have a much clearer picture of what he is and isn't going to do. I wish there were some magic words, some kind of a magic wand we could wave. But but uh, there isn't. Now, there are people out there who will tell you how to manipulate him. But if you manipulate a person, it always comes back badly somewhere along the line. And so now we're going to go over to California, and we're going to talk to Anthony. Hi, Anthony. How are you today? Anthony? Apparently, Anthony is not there.
0: Hello? Sir? Oh, I'm yes. right here.
1: Okay. Sorry, how may I'm I help good. you today?
0: <laughs> um. I um... My wife and I have been separated for uh, probably about four months now, um, since (laughs) February. Um, She got into an emotional affair, and then it turned physical, and now, you know, she's in love with him. Um, (laughs) He's a coworker of hers, so, you know, we still work together, Um, but... So for while, for the first like three months, it was pretty bad. You know, it was, I was doing a lot of push stuff, and but we were both we were both treating each other pretty badly, um, and it was really hard for me to to you know even get through it all. Um, but now mm-hmm. um, now things between us are like really really going really well. We're mm-hmm. honest with each other and everything, but she still you know is still in love with her affair partner. Um, we still live together and have a four-year-old, but, you know, so she doesn't really want to work on anything. And, um, but, so I know, you know, like, ever, you know, just, you know, try and stay in, you know, the same house for as long as you can. And, um, you know, if if you're in the Valley, try and keep it, you know, work work through it as long as you can that way. But with all of our honesty and everything we have, um, I sometimes feel like I'm letting her, do too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I can't control anything that she does. So if she wants to go out and go see him and stuff, like you know, I um, I can't control that. But like, mm-hmm. do I just let it? Do I just sit there and let it go? Or do I bring it? You know, should I bring anything up if it's hard for me or?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Let me ask a couple of questions is, at the may Anthony. How yeah. old are you yeah. and how old is she and how old is the other guy?
0: I'm thirty two. She's 30 and he's 30.
1: Okay. And how long has she been involved with him as far as you know?
0: Um, probably um, emotionally they started hanging out and stuff outside of work probably about, I would say, um, November, maybe even October, was when they started hanging out outside of work as friends. I think it got emotional in December, and then it got physical in February.
1: Okay, so we're talking about well less than a year, even from the, when they first started hanging out, what, seven or eight months, something like that, nine. Yeah. So this makes it relatively, relatively new. And another question, how long have you been married?
0: Um, we just came uh, just over two years now.
1: Two, just uh, two over years two years now. Okay. Now. <clears throat> Let me explain some things about the valley, not for you, Anthony, because apparently you already know. So give me a couple of uh, minutes here to explain the valley to all the other people out there around the world listening to this thing. When we talk about the valley, what we're talking about is this. It's when your spouse is in a situation where he or she, and in this case with Anthony, it's his wife, so it's she, doesn't feel like they have to make a decision. In other words, I've got a relationship with my spouse, but I've also got a relationship with this other person. Now the relationship with the spouse might not be like the one with the other person. I mean, there may be different kinds of relationships like Anthony just described. She's more emotionally connected with the other guy than she is with Anthony. But Anthony says things are going well, we're making some progress. I don't know if he said that. I'll ask a minute if it's making progress, but a person in the Valley, a person in the Valley is a person who feels that he or she does not have to make a decision. Doesn't have to change anything right now. And so the description is, Okay. They have the best of both worlds in a sense. She gets to live with Anthony, be around her child. Apparently there are some things that go uh, advantages of course, of living in that same house with your kid. I mean, like you've got your own furniture, your own bed, you've got your, you know all kinds of things going on. And so when we talk about the value, we recommend this as always, as always, it's your decision. But we talk about it this way. If you are truly making progress in your relationship, then there can be value in allowing the valley to continue for a while because of the fact that if, if they're moving toward you, drawing the line in the sand, putting up the boundary, as people call them, we call them a stop. Putting up a stop can make the other person actually choose to go away from you. And so if progress is being made and they're coming toward you, you still love them, you still want to make the relationship work, and progress is being made, then it makes sense to allow somebody to stay in the valley for a while. Now you say, well, at what point do I pull the plug? At what point do I say, I'm not going to accept that anymore? Well, it really comes down to you. And and what I'm about to describe is more of an art than a science. But it kind of works like this. If it starts doing damage to you or to anybody else who really matters in this situation, like, for example, the child, if it starts doing damage to the child or even if it starts doing damage to your spouse who's in the valley, if it starts doing damage physically, In other words, you begin to have problems with your health. You begin to get migraines. um, Your immune system gets compromised and you find you're getting sick all the time. Any kind of a health thing that's being, if not a direct, at least a pretty close indirect result of the stress that you're living under. And we're not talking about pain. We're talking about damage. It hurts when you're in a situation like this, no matter what. So it's not when you say it hurts. It's when it's doing damage. And so it's doing damage physically or intellectually. What does that mean? I I can't think I'm having trouble keeping my job. I find that when I'm doing certain tasks, I get distracted like I might be driving and I get to thinking about this. And the next thing I know, I'm in, I'm swerving over into the other lane and I have to jerk the car back. Intellectually, my mind is locked in on this so much that I'm not functioning well in life, either at work or in the tasks that I do. Emotionally, well, okay, are you becoming depressed? Not just mildly depressed, but, you know, moderately, even clinically depressed. Are you finding yourself weeping all of the time? I mean, are or you, are you find yourself angry and yelling at other people and treating other people badly? Damage that's happening to you either physically, intellectually, emotionally, or spiritually having to do with your beliefs and values that you find yourself now and your hurt and your anger being damaged by your own or in, in relationship to, I should say your own beliefs and values. You start doing things that you would have thought were wrong before, but now you're doing those things and, and you begin to change. You begin to become a different person because you're living a different lifestyle. If any of those things happen, we say, you know, it sounds like it's time to stop that valley it's time not to let this happen anymore. And again, not just to you, but to any children involved, even your other, your spouse, the one that's in the Valley, that's when it's time to pull the plug. That's when it's time to say to the other person, this cannot continue as it is. So when Anthony talks about the Valley, that's what he's talking about. So Anthony, now I'm going to come back and ask you a question. Are you guys not- making any
0: progress? So um, that was one thing I wanted to bring up too is, is I, you know, is this- if to see if this is, you know, actual progress. I think that it is, um, that we are, you know, um, we, we talk, we still talk every day. She'll, you know, she'll text me, you know, we still live together. So we still talk every day about our, you know, about our son. And then, um, and then, but we still, you know, this weekend we went, we spent the whole Saturday with the three of us. Um, and then Sunday morning we went, you know, we did our usual, you know, we did grocery shopping and things like that. Okay. So and you feel went. like
1: that you're having almost a normal relationship except for the fact that she's emotionally connected to this other guy. That's what I'm hearing you yeah. say, correct? Yeah.
0: And, yeah, and so I still get, so, like, last week she had a breakthrough where she, you know, she did open up, like, almost gave me a break and talked about some things. And even on Saturday, um, Saturday we were walking out of this event that we went to, the three of us, and, you know, something came up about the three of us, and she kind of broke down. She didn't say anything, but I could see her, you know, upset. Um, Right. Kind of like, in,
1: in your estimation, then, you're making progress. That's what I'm hearing you say.
0: That's what I think, so, Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. So if that's the case, if you're making progress, then here's what I would recommend. If you can tolerate it for a while longer and you're making progress, it might be a good thing to do. Let me give you the pros and the cons. Because of the fact that she's so early into this relationship, I mean, it's just a few months, it means that it's not likely to end Immediately, It's probably going to take a little while for it to be over with. So it would be kind of thinking in the long game, the long term here, Anthony, not like, okay, if if we if I continue to make progress here, then it's going to be over by next Thursday. That kind of thing's not going to work. But if you can continue with this and she's making progress towards you, that's excellent. Does it mean that she necessarily at some point is going to leave the guy and come back to you? No, not necessarily, but it certainly does increase the likelihood and possibility that that's going to happen. Now, you might need to draw a couple of boundaries there, for example. Now, I don't know all your situations, so I'm talking to the big group again. It's like, for example, let's say, uh, and this is not Anthony's case, but I'm just trying to illustrate here for people. Let's say in a situation such as Anthony's that she's coming home at 3 a.m. on Saturday morning and she's been drinking heavily. At that point, he might actually say to her, Okay, here's a stop that has to happen. You can. I'm I'm happy that you live here. I'm happy that we can go to breakfast together. I'm happy that we can talk to each other, but I I don't think I can cope with you coming home drunk at 3 a.m. in the morning, and that's when you would make some kind of a stop. A stop is a safeguard that offers protection. Stop. Safeguard that offers protection, and in that case, it would be protection for her. Like, that's not healthy. That's not good for you. You're liable to get in a car wreck. You're liable to hurt somebody else or hurt you. And so, it could be that even with progress being made and without drawing the line in the sand that says, make a make a choice. You're not going to live in the valley anymore. Pick him or pick me. There still might be some intermediate ground where that if there's something that really needs to be dealt with, if there's something that really needs to be dealt with, then then in that case, you might make a stop. And again, I'll refer to something I referred to earlier. If you go to our our website, marriagehelper.com, look for the definitive guide to boundaries. Now, we don't call them boundaries anymore, but we did back when I made that hour and 15 minute audio. It'll explain a lot about how to do those things. And then we're going to go to Pennsylvania and we're going to talk to Sean. How are you today?
8: Hi, Dr. Joe. Thank you for taking my call.
1: You're very welcome. How may I help you, my friend?
8: Well, me and my wife have been apart for about 16 months or so. And um, but about a month and a half, two months ago, I started using Smart Contact. And by the way, that's great. That actually works wonders. Good. Um, so we were doing great. We, like In three months, we talked five times. Now we went in the last four weeks, four and a half weeks, talking almost every day. Wow. But Good. But my question is, yet, yesterday we had plans and... She, I asked her twice, like we were still on, blah, blah, blah. And she never got back to me, never showed up. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to practice smart contact. I don't know how I get my point across that, like, I don't want to be a doormat because this has happened previously and Mm -hmm. I don't want it to continue to happen. Okay. So what do you want to do? then,
1: What do you want to do?
8: Well, I'd like to get my point across too, that, you know, I would, it hurt very badly when she did that, and
3: mm-hmm.
8: I would like it not to happen again. I don't know how to do that uh, while practicing smart contact. You know what I mean? I,
1: what I'm hearing you say is this. I'm hurt. I want her to know that I'm hurt. I want her to know I don't want her to do that again, but I'm afraid that if I tell her that, that she's going to move further away from me rather than closer to me. That's what I'm hearing you say. Is that correct?
8: That That's exactly it, yes.
1: Okay, so what do you have to gain, my friend? I mean, haven't you say she stood you up yesterday, and you said it's happened before? Does it happen often?
8: Uh, as of like, uh it did uh, a while back, like six, seven months ago, this was a thing. Okay. She made plans with me, mm-hmm.
1: but things have changed in the last four and a half weeks, is what you told me, right? Correct. Okay. Often, John, here's what I recommend to people. I say, think about it like this. What is there to gain and what is there to lose? Do would I sympathize with you? Would I want, want to be on your side? Like, yeah, that hurt. You need to know that hurt and quit doing that crap. Would uh, I would be feeling exactly the same thing? But if you start you know, looking at it. Like, okay, what do I gain and what do I lose? Now, if it was just like it was for the previous several months, I'd say, well, you probably have nothing to lose if you want to tell her that do. But you just told me the last four and a half weeks, things have gotten a lot better. You're talking almost every day. So therefore, if it comes across negative, if she feels that you're judging or that you're controlling or that you're demanding at this point, it sounds like you do have something to lose. Am I hearing that right?
8: Yes, yes, you're hearing that very much, and I don't know why I couldn't come up with that on my own, but I didn't.
1: <laughs> hey, buddy, when you're in the middle of it, <laughs> trust me, it's 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 difficult to see it in, in different eyes when you're right in the middle of it, and uh, so don't don't beat yourself up. You sound like a pretty smart guy to me. You would have figured it out eventually, but my recommendation here is this. Okay, at this point let it go. Let me give you a couple of ideas about that. When people start making progress back toward their spouse, like you've been talking nearly every day for the last four and a half weeks, sometimes all of a sudden mm-hmm. they just get scared. Sometimes, sometimes the, the one, particularly the one who laughs, sometimes they just get scared. Like, Oh my goodness, what am I doing? Is this really what I want? And so my, interpretation of her not showing up would not necessarily be that something terrible is happening. Of course, I don't know, and you don't either. I'd be thinking more of the fact that, "Mm, okay, she might just hit a little fear point there, and we don't want to make that worse. And so if she hit a little fear point there, just contacting her saying, hey, I just want to make sure you're okay. Uh, You didn't show up. That's fine. Just want to make sure you're all right. Something gentle, something easy, something light, you really do get the message across that, Hey, it hurts. She'll hear that. But without saying that, and you do it in that kind of way, uh, Hey, just want to make sure you're okay. Uh, love you. Or if that's appropriate to say at this point in your relationship and, and then you just keep on trucking from there. And hopefully then you keep making this progress. So if I were you, my friend, I'd, I'd be more careful not to mess up the progress you've made because of the pain that you feel right now.
8: Th- thank you, Dr. Joe. I appreciate the help very much, and I will do that.
1: Okay, my friend, you take care of yourself. Uh, sound like a really nice guy there. I like them. Okay, and then let's talk to Manny over in Texas. Hi, Manny, how are you doing today? Oh, hello. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, you're kind of breaking up on me there a little bit. Are you on a speakerphone or something, my friend?
9: I'm on a uh, headset on the phone.
1: Right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Are you there?
9: No okay. Not, not not
1: It's a little okay. bit better. A little bit better. Must be tough for reception out in Texas today.
9: <laughs> what can I do for you,
1: <laughs> uh, may I help um, you
9: today? Um. Yeah. A little. I. You know. I've been. I've, I did the ten week course and everything, and you know, i been kind of. We've been on the rocks for around, I don't know about nine, ten months now. Mm-hmm. And I guess ever since like there was a there was a, a long distance emotional affair in there. Right mm-hmm. before, you know, all the all the COVID stuff started, she kind of mm-hmm. it seems like she broke that because she kind of changed her uh I think so, I don't I don't know for sure, but it, it just seems like she hasn't talked about or hasn't it, it she's been different, yeah.
3: You know?
9: mm-hmm. And uh I mean, the only reason I know is because I had snooped in the past, but I haven't, I've been not doing that because, you know, I've learned that's the wrong thing to do. And mm-hmm. it's just like, now things seem to be getting better. And, you know, over the past like month or so, it's getting, you know, things seem to be getting back to normal, but there's still like this emotional disconnect, not really emotional disconnect, the emotional stuff kind of starting to get there, but the, it's, she still seems like physically distant you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's so, definitely for the last mm-hmm. couple of months. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, there, there was some, you know, intimacy in that area, you know, a couple of months ago, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, been a while. Just, and it would just mm-hmm. seem to be when she would start drinking that that would happen.
1: <laughs> I see. Okay. So how am I, I And I'm just,
9: really, I'm just wondering you? like where, like, how do you know when it's like the, when things are getting better, like, I, I know that, like, like you said with the last Gus guy, you're like, you know, the things do seem like they're getting better. Mm-hmm. But it's like, how, how, how can I tell if it's, like, really, like, getting better or not? Like, I I, I guess the whole re- reconciliation process just has me, like, confused.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, recon- or the reconciliation process is somewhat confusing, my friend. It really is because so yeah, many exactly. emotions are involved, you know, on the parts of both people. Most of the time, when we hear people say, "Oh, we're in reconciliation," the first thing we think is, "Maybe, maybe not." Because sometimes people yeah. think they're reconciliation just because they seem to be doing better or because they move back in together or something like that. Reconciliation, people tend to think, uh, Manny, it's like diving into the deep end of the pool and swimming. But diving into the deep end of the pool when you're not quite sure how to swim can be the most dangerous thing in the world. So we talk about reconciliation more like this. Rather than diving into the deep end of the pool, it's like wading in from the shallow end which means that sometimes yeah. it's steps forward, two steps back, four steps to the right, two steps to the left. You're headed toward the place you want to be, but it's a process, and it's definitely a process, and there are a lot of things that need to be talked about. Now, as far as you know, does your wife want to be with you?
9: She seems like it. I mean, she said that she's, like, I guess, Okay, so she, March, said that. she said well, back in March, mm-hmm. she said that she wanted to work. She wanted to, like she wanted to work on things, and she wanted to because mm-hmm. I had talked to her about um, marriage counseling like months ago, like and mm-hmm. she kind of said she wanted to see somebody, but and then it was months before months, months. You know, until last week, she said last week I think she said she she needed the the number for her insurance so she could call like to see someone individually, mm-hmm. like for, for just for herself. So I mean. Mm-hmm it seems like she's moving in that direction. I know it takes time for someone to want to do that if they don't do it. Cause I've been, I've been going ever since like October to, to mm-hmm. you know, a counseling gotcha. just individually.
1: Okay. All right. Well, the thing about reconciliation is this, Like I said, it is a process. Uh, I hate to tell people this because I don't have it ready. I, I am working on a video series that is about how to reconcile and it'll have PDFs with it and the whole nine yards It's probably going to be for, five hours of videos and half hour blocks. And it's for a couple yeah. to sit down and work through step by step by step by step. And in this, this system that I'm teaching people to use reconciliation, there are actually five steps, but you don't make a commitment to reconcile until step four. There are a whole lot of other things you work through first. Now, I wish I could tell you that you could call and get that from us right now. We are probably at least six, if not eight weeks away from that thing being ready. And so that's why I'm, I feel badly I'm telling you about it when we don't have it right now. But reconciliation yeah. really is a process. And so here's what I'm going to do, Manny. Uh, well, uh, our crew will jot down your number. When that thing is ready, I'm going to have one uh-huh. of the folks call you. And if at that point she is willing to work through that series with you, I'll give it to you. But that's the criteria. Okay. First, of all, first of all, I've got to finish it. <laughs> that's the first criteria. <laughs> and And the second one is you, When they call you, you have to say, yes, she's willing, we can work through it together, both of us are willing to do that. Yeah. And if that's the case, then when that thing's ready, I will give it to you for you two to, to work through to see if you can figure out how to reconcile. How about that?
9: That's, that's wonderful. I really appreciate that.
1: Well, you're very welcome. I wish I had it ready for you today, my friend. Yeah. And maybe, maybe today I can get some more work done on it. You know, yeah. COVID started and we had to close our offices because of the COVID virus. And we're all working out of our homes and I'm working longer and harder now than I did before. So yeah. I'm getting further and further behind. But many, we're going to do Me that. for you. Okay. Well, our folks are going to write this down and they'll be contacting you in about six or eight weeks. Okay.
9: Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: You're you're very welcome, Manny. You take care of yourself over there in Texas. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Okay. And we're going to go over to Virginia now. and We're going to talk to Justin. Hi, Justin. How are you today?
10: Hi, Dr. Beam. How are you?
1: I am rocking and bopping, my friend. What may I do for you?
10: Um... Thank you for taking my phone call. Um, I've been separated from my wife for over a year now. And um, thanks to COVID, COVID, we were supposed to get divorced in March. But since the court system was closed and all that, um, it slowed down the process, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I've been working on myself and working on my pies and, you know, doing everything I can do to make myself better. And she seems to notice that. And sometimes Ooh. we get closer together, like we have kids together and we live separate houses. So we would do things together as a family. And then Mm -hmm. we'd, you know, have dinners and, you know, have nice play dates with them, but always with kids. But then every time we get close, she'd say, Nope, this is, I still want a divorce. And Mm -hmm. then there'd be a week of, Nope. um, Just texting or just phone Mm -hmm. calls and no more, you know, no more long talks. And when we exchange with kids, it's usually a high bye and that's it. But then, you know, with all these things that's going on uh, with COVID and with both teachers and health issues my oldest, we've had to talk again. And so we've had to talk again. But now it's like hot and cold, hot and cold. And
3: mm-hmm.
10: it's just like, just I'm have you noticed wondering. Any
1: kind of, uh, any kind of uh, pattern? Like, is there some particular thing that happens uh, that makes her turn cold all of a sudden? Have you noticed any kind of
10: pattern that kind of triggers that? Uh, if we spend too much time together, I think, um, like if the kids said, "Oh, let's have a vacation together," since we're we're switching back houses so much, so many times, why don't we just um, why don't we just stay in one house together? And that scares her, and she's like, "No, I'm, I want a divorce." Or uh, the kids are like, "Oh, can we ha- can we have like a, a camping trip with Daddy and you can come too, Daddy?" You know, and that just scares her off too.
1: Okay, so um, the trigger, apparently what you're saying, the trigger has to do with any time. It appears that there's a potential you guys are going to actually emotionally strongly connect with each other again, even if it's just having fun on a vacation or camping, right?
10: Exactly, yes.
1: Okay, all right. So how may I help you, my friend? What specifically can I do for you?
10: Um, so is this, like, I still want to show that I'm kind. I feel like um, this is our second separation. This the first separation happened about um seven years ago and uh-huh. the reason was because I was uh verbally abusive and definitely neglectful to uh-huh. our family. And I went and to anger management I went to counseling. Uh this time I think it was because um she saw signs that I was being a little more sarcastic than normal and she saw that as a, a you know signs of me becoming getting back to my sarcastic abusive ways again. And that scared her. And she's like, I don't want to do this another 10 years from now. So I just want to call it quits that. And she just doesn't trust me.
3: Okay. And
10: so I accept that. And I know she has issues on her end, but I know it's mostly that I need to worry about my anger and my sarcasm and the stuff Mm -hmm. I need to work on. So that's what I've been trying to do right now.
1: All right. So how can I help you? What can I do for you?
10: Um... You keep on saying this is not a science. It's, it's, it's you know, it's just a process kind of thing. Is Am I on the right path? Is this when I need to just be patient, keep on chugging through? And even though, you know, she says, just text me sometimes, I just text her and eventually it warms up again. I mean, is this just a constant uh-huh. pattern like, two steps forward, three steps back kind of thing. I mean, how long does no. is this is take?
3: Um, <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of relationships
1: and, are like that, Justin. That's three steps forward, two steps back. But it looks to me like, okay, you've got a few options here. Let's just think about them for a second if we may. One option is yeah. that you can just push. Like you can try to push her in certain ways, like let's spend more time together. Let's do these kinds of things. But you already know how she's going to react to that. You already know it's like, Mm-mm, no, I'm losing my identity again. I'm, I feel that I'm being put down. If you look at the three primary motivations that lead people to want a divorce, uh, the most common motivations for people wanting a divorce is I don't feel like you love me. I don't feel like you like me. I don't feel like you respect me. And what you're describing here is a person or your wife who felt that she was disrespected. That's what you described. I'm just going by what you said. And if she felt disrespected, then she probably also felt disliked. Like, you don't really like me. If you really like me, you wouldn't be using that sarcasm and that kind of thing. You see, sarcasm is a part of what uh, John Gottman, the great marriage guru, when it comes to research, calls the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Basically, he says that when you're doing that kind of thing, it it puts the other person down tremendously. And they found that if you just stop doing those behaviors, just stop doing those behaviors, things can get better from that. And so uh, you'll have to find the strength within you somewhere, my friend, and the wisdom to know when you're doing that kind of thing and to stop. Stop. One of my friends once told somebody, he said, here's what you need to do. Get a little piece of paper about the size of a business card. You're going to write one word on it, laminate it, and put it in your pocket. And every every so often, actually two words, two words on it. And every once in a while, you're going to reach in your pocket, pull it out, and look at it to remind yourself. And the two words you put on there are, shut up. Because sometimes, just our talking, what we say, how we say it, becomes a big difficulty. So my recommendation, my friend, is this. If you can stop those kind of behaviors altogether, and don't push her. As a matter of fact, when the kids start pushing her and you know that she's going to pull away some when they start saying, let's all go camping together and dead go with us. If you're hearing that and that's the time you speak up and say, man, that would be so much fun. But you know what? I think probably that's not the best time right now. So that she hears you saying, no, wait a minute, I'm going to respect you. I'm going to back off. I'm not going to put you in a situation where you feel like you have to pull away from me. You say, well, wait a minute, then I'm I'm helping her move further away from me. Mm -mm. What you're actually doing is taking away the pushes. You're taking away the pushes. Even the push comes from the kids saying, let's spend more time together. You help modify that so that you can feel comfortable like, oh, okay, he's protecting my emotions. He's protecting what I think and what I feel. And you can do that. You sound like an intelligent guy. You can do that. And whatever you do, man, when you find yourself getting back into that sarcastic thing or controlling or dominating or anything that leads her to feel disrespected, change that behavior immediately as soon as you recognize you're doing it. And if you watch her, you'll pretty well know when you're doing it. Just watch her with a keen eye. And if you see any kind of negative reaction, think, oh, oh, that's it. That's it. I need to stop right now. I need to back off of that. Because the way you're describing it, she's not going to even consider the possibility of coming back until she feels completely and totally respected by you and doesn't have to live in fear that you're going to treat her disrespectfully. And I'm not saying you're a bad guy, man. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just speaking back to what you just said. And then we're going to go over here to Florida. Now, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his name. Is it is it Kalani?
11: It's Kalani.
1: Hey, So I got close. <laughs> okay, come on. How may how may, I, how, how may I help you today? What may I do for you?
11: Hi. So, um, my husband, um, sat me down and told me that he wanted a divorce. Um, almost a month ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, it was. Um, he tried to talk to me about it. He was very emotional. Um. We were able to have open communication. I told him I didn't want to say anything at the time. Like, I just wanted him to be able to say everything he wanted to say. And I didn't want, I specifically said to him, I don't want to, I don't want you to think that I'm trying to manipulate you or anything like that. So mm-hmm. that went down good that day. Then the next day, we tried to chat again and it kind of exploded. And then, like, we talked after, and he said, Well, it's just, you know, um, our passion is gone, and if you know, he held my face, and he was like, you know, like let's, you know, we just got to find the passion. I can, I, I had a child about six years ago. And, uh, let me ask you a question, you know, Kalani, if I may. What
1: is, what is, what do you understand him to be saying or meaning when he says the passion is gone? How are you interpreting that? What do you think he's saying?
11: So our our intimacy of like how um, you know, just. I, I guess like leaving the bathroom door open <laughs> Or stuff like that Like that that allure was gone And um, That's what I was at And also I I took it also as me physically And my confidence Because I'm not where I'm at Or want to be Right now okay. physically.
1: Okay not wanting to be like what I'm, I'm missing something here on, so help me
11: So I'm Like I, I had gained weight Um, since I had my last child and um, kind of just let myself go. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't, like, working out. my husband's a big gym person. So for him, like, that would be sharing time together. So I wasn't involved in that. Um, I would start things and not finish them. And, you know, now since this all happened, I've been reflecting on myself, and I just know, like, I just kind of checked out on myself. Mm -hmm. I just put everything into our family and what's the next step for our family. We went through a lot of changes. So when he says that
3: there's no more
1: passion, does are you hearing him say then that there's no sexual attraction to you, no sexual excitement with you? What what specifically do I feel you like think he said? It, yes.
11: I, feel, but it, I feel like it was more about my confidence.
1: About your confidence? What
11: it really look like, yes. Like I'm not carrying myself like I used to when we first met. Okay, so something
1: in the marriage that he he had been used to, that he liked, is now missing,
6: correct?
11: Yeah, yeah. Like, I I used to, like, not restrict what I would wear. I would, you know, I I don't Mm -hmm. know, just, like, it's not about the weight. It was about, like, that I felt like I couldn't do things because of my weight.
1: Okay. So what is it I can do for you? How can I help you?
11: So basically at that point, um, he moved out about three weeks ago. He tried to stay in the house for a week. But he didn't like that I was. I would try to talk to him toward the end of the night.
3: And mm-hmm. like just, because
11: it just felt weird not to talk. And um, so he left. I, pushed, I basically pushed him away in that way. And it was a whole pleading and begging situation for me. And mm-hmm. since then he's been out of the house, he has Okay. Said so so voice what is it voice. I can do for you?
1: How can I help you?
11: So I'm basically trying to figure out if ask counseling at this point is a push because I tried to ask him for counseling and I said basically that I would do a contested divorce in order for a judge to decide for us to go to counseling. And he basically said at that point that, okay, I guess we're, we're not even friends then. And since then it's just been business items.
1: Okay. So what I'm hearing you say is that when he didn't agree to do what you wanted him to do, you threatened him. You basically said, "Okay, I can make you go to counseling and what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the judge. We're going to do it that way. And the judge is going to make you do it. When you have a person that's already pulling away from you, already pulling away from you, and we'll come back and talk about that in just a moment, and then you ask them to do something and they say no, and then you threaten them. Oh, well, you may say no, but it's going to happen because I'm going to do this and this and this and make it happen. Then what would you expect the other person to do? You certainly don't expect them to go, oh, wow, I love you even more because you're dominating and controlling me. I feel manipulated, and that's just exciting and wonderful. That's not how they feel. When people feel that you're going to do something to control and dominate them, then... You know, they typically pull further away and say, I don't want to be a friend. So at this point in the situation you just described, you're saying is asking him for counseling a push. Obviously, I do not know him. Therefore, I cannot tell you how will react. But based on the descriptions you just gave, I'm guessing that in all likelihood, it probably will be. Now, again, I don't know him. I can't say for sure, but it probably will be. Your husband actually went to a sense of loss. Because what you described there, and and please don't hear this as beating you up. I don't mean that at all. But, you know, I always talk straight. I always tell people the truth. Okay. You became a different human being, not just because you changed size, but because your confidence changed, your behaviors changed, that kind of thing. I can understand struggling with weight after uh, having a child. I struggle with weight, and I've never been pregnant. (laughs) I've never delivered a child. And I know how tough a thing that can be to do. But, but what I heard you say was not just that you gained weight, but that you changed. You didn't have the confidence you had before. You wouldn't dress the way you would before. You wouldn't do the things you would do before, etc. And And he has now lost something. Now, I'm not saying that marriage should be built on sex or sexuality or sexiness, but it is definitely an important part of marriage. Because there's research that's been out there for decades and all kinds of different research projects that come to the same conclusion that marital satisfaction and sexual satisfaction rise and fall together. And so if the sexual satisfaction decreases, then so does the marital satisfaction. And can a marriage exist where there's little to no passion? The answer is yes. Can it be a good marriage? Yes. If, if both parties are happy with that level of passion but if one of them wants more passion, and passion here is not just about sex, it's about that closeness, that intimacy, that openness, that transparency, all those kinds of things. Well, let me say it this way. This is different. The passion I'm talking about now is a craving for oneness. Let's put it that way a craving for oneness. And if either spouse wants more of that and the other spouse is not reciprocating with that, then they tend to start pulling away from that spouse. So understand that. All of that, that kind of passion is a crucial part of love, this craving for oneness. And it does have as a component sexuality. And sexuality is not necessarily based on size. Now, if if you become, if a person, I'm not saying you, Kalina, but if a person becomes obese, then it'll definitely affect their sex drive and their sexuality and everything else. Just like any other health problem will affect your sex drive and all those other kind of things. And don't think I'm trying to put down people that are obese. I struggle with my weight all the time. I'm just saying that a lot of factors going on here but you're talking about a man who's experiencing a loss of passion in a marriage and a woman who has become a different person than she was before. I'm not saying you've become evil. I'm not saying you've lost the core of who you are, but you've definitely lost part of your part of who and what you were. And so my recommendation would be if you want to have a, a shot at putting this back together, which is your choice. I mean, you don't have to do anything if you don't want to, but if you really want to try to put it back together, we'll see if you can bring that person back to life. The one that you were before. If that means losing weight, fine. But if it just means getting your confidence back, if it just means, well, I'm becoming redundant now. I hope that you hear what I'm talking about. All right, then we're going to go to the great country of Canada. And we're going to talk to Samantha up there. Hi, Samantha, how are you today?
12: Hi, Dr. Beam, how
1: are you? I am rocking and bopping. How's everything up there in the great north?
12: Uh, it's wonderful. It's a beautiful, sunny day. And yeah, it's uh, great weather. And our government has been doing wonderful things with COVID in terms of keeping things under control. So, wonderful.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that, that's great. Um, um, I'm okay. so
12: happy that Canada I got is one
1: of my Canada is one of my favorite countries. USA, of course. I'm, I'm a loyal American citizen, but I love Canada and I love Australia. <laughs> I also love Australia, which is also part of that UK kingdom kind of thing. So I yeah. ah, love to talk to people from Canada. So how may I help you today, my friend?
12: Aw, thank you. Um, well, uh, just a bit of background. i um, been married for 11 years, mm-hmm. um, together for 15, uh, two beautiful daughters. And um, I'm going to speak to where I feel I missed the mark in our marriage for a lot of years when our kids were young. I definitely put my focus and attention on them, on our home, on, um, you know, working, taking care of the kids, taking care of the home, and absolutely um, neglected my husband emotionally and physically. And, um, you know, that caused a disconnect. Uh, and ultimately, I didn't know at the time, but found out a year ago that, he got involved with an ex-girlfriend from university who is also married with two children. Um, I'm sure it started as talking friends and then it evolved to emotional. Um, and that's the point that I found out that I believe it was still just an emotional affair at that point. Um, Mm -hmm. when I found out, of course I did, as everyone has everything wrong, um, found marriage helper, signed up for the course and, uh, that was in last August. So decided that I wasn't going to do any snooping or, well, I mean, there was absolutely push behaviors that happened, but um, I was very aware and conscious in trying not to allow this to happen. Working on myself, um, a lot of prayer. And um, I knew that they were still in contact. Um, it seemed even that them initially, I think it was more of a text and phone. Um, Relationship, but I noticed it at the beginning of this year that uh, although I wasn't snooping, things got revealed to me that they were spending time together. Um, I didn't ever confront him with it because I felt like I wanted to put effort into our marriage and continue working on myself. Um, when okay. COVID hit and we were all kind of isolated, things things okay. were good. I'm not. We're at a point where things are okay. Yeah. Like
3: so, so if how you can came I into our for, home, you would think, you? okay.
12: So, I ultimately a few weeks ago, I also did some coaching calls, um, and I knew that at some point I had to address the fact that this was affair was continuing. Um, uh-huh. So I did. Um, I didn't give him an ultimatum. I just laid out what I knew um, and uh-huh. that I wanted to work on our marriage. I didn't feel that him continuing on in an affair was productive to us working on our marriage and Uh I, you know, asked him to go to the workshop, which he actually agreed to. So we're still in the process of figuring that out. However, um, his response to me was that he has never wanted a divorce. He doesn't want Uh one in the future. He's not Uh staying with me because of the kids. Um, He wants to work on our marriage. He wants to grow together, but he wants to continue. Um, She's his best friend. They have a very mm. passionate, like open, honest, intimate relationship yeah. and he wants to continue having sex with her. Mm-hmm. And I was I didn't respond because obviously it was way too emotional for me to hear that. Um, yeah. and I just told him that I need some time to process, navigate right. um, okay. my response and that I I'm
3: okay. I, so I have, have, I'm continuing what can I
12: do for to you? try and work on the marriage that I would just, I don't know how to respond. Like, I, our, the other uh, piece of the puzzle is that, unfortunately, our daughters overheard a conversation we had last year. So they know, mm-hmm. um, although mm-hmm. I've tried to protect them over the last year, but it's still affecting them and as much as a couple of days ago. Um affecting their trust in him and, right. yeah, very emotional. So mm-hmm.
3: so, so um, how can I, and what I, can can first, I do that? I'm trying
12: to hold it together. So I don't know how to address his request for, you know, working on our marriage yet staying in the affair, which is, it's not an option. I I don't want that. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't, that's not a marriage to to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't want to give him an ultimatum, but I don't know how to respond.
1: Okay. Well, sometimes, you know, what people call ultimatums, we would call a stop. That's a safeguard that offers protection. If you don't want to do this, you certainly don't have to. I mean, even if you think he's a good man doing a bad thing, even if you still love him dearly, even if your daughter still loves him dearly, it does not necessarily mean that you need to tolerate what he's doing. And we talk about a thing called the valley. We even talked about it earlier in this program, and, and you might want to go back and listen to that later. You can get to these programs later on YouTube, I believe it is. As a matter of fact, everybody out there, if you go to youtube.com slash helper, all one word, marriagehelper, we have hundreds and hundreds of videos over there. And I'm pretty sure that these get posted on there as well, all of these calls. And so I would recommend that you go to our website, marriagehelper.com, and type in that little search engine at the top. Type in a definitive guide to boundaries or just type in the word boundaries. You're looking for an hour and 15-minute video. I'm sorry, audio. An hour and 15-minute audio that I did about how to set those boundaries. Now, you know, you can call it an ultimatum if you want. We now call them so- stops, safeguard that offers protection. And protect yourself, protect your children, etc. You see, you don't have to do that. You don't have to say, okay, let's work on the marriage and you still be involved with that woman. If that's, if you don't want it to do it that way, and some people will, we talked about that a little earlier on this program It's called the Valley. And so therefore some people will, but some people won't. And and we would never ask you to do anything that's outside of what you can do. And if you're not going to do it that way, then you can go look at it. So it's not an ultimatum so much as it's setting a boundary, which we now call a stop. And you can say to him something like this, I understand you want to continue to be involved with her. I understand the great emotions that are tied to that, but I need you to understand. I can't do that. And so therefore, if you want to work on the marriage, that's great. And if if I were doing this to my wife, I would say, so here's a suggestion. Here's something we can do right now. And whatever that might be. Okay. If, If you don't have a specific suggestion, it still kind of winds up being in limbo back there. And as part of that, it means that you have to stop having contact with her. If he says, okay, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to stop having contact with her. Once you listen to that audio, you'll understand more about this. But that's when you will have to bring about a consequence, not because you're trying to punish him. That's not your goal, but to let him know, I'm serious about the boundaries that I set. My heart breaks for you, my heart breaks for your children. I do hope you find a way to work through this. And now we're going to go to the Philippines. Hi, Jose. How are you today?
13: Hi, Dr. Bean. Thank you very much for taking my call. Um, You're very welcome. Well, uh, the reason for my call uh, is that I've been, me and my wife, I actually are separated right now, uh, mm-hmm. even though we see each other every day. Um, It was because, uh, uh, I was unfaithful to her. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we've been together, we've been, we've been married for 10 years, uh, together Mm -hmm. for 19. Mm -hmm. So, and, and it seems like, um, she is very, uh, doesn't trust me at all. And, and I, I know I caused a lot of pain. I've I've hurt her in the most awful way ever that she would deserve. Um, So I wanted to know how can, I've done so many things to try to gain her trust. Um, We try to have conversations, we try to uh, be intimate at points, but then it seems that this, I thought that maybe with this, with the COVID now, we would come closer since we're, you know, we're home, but, mm-hmm. um, it, it, uh, it seems like it took us apart. It separated us and well, we haven't been living together for the past two and a half years, because after she found out of my, about my affair, then mm-hmm. she moved out of the house and mm-hmm. I completely understand her. Um, and she doesn't seem like she wants to come back home. I think she, until she feels safe. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I I wanted to know how can I make her see that I I'm trying to do the best that I can that and for her to see that I'm a, a different person. Um, hmm. I know she she uh, I have lied to her uh, after hmm. the affair about other hmm. things. I hmm. haven't been honest and truthful to her. And I know that's why she still feels this way. She still feels that uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a safe person. And right right now we're at a point that she's not talking to me. She's not Mm -hmm. interacting with me, even just Mm -hmm. for our kids. We have two kids together. So I wanted to know what else can I do? What else can I, uh, how else can I prove myself to her? Um, I'm. I started doing individual counseling already uh, because she mm-hmm. wouldn't join me. <laughs> so I said, right. you know what? It's okay. I, I have, to, I'll work mm-hmm. on myself. Uh, if you want to join later, then hopefully you will.
1: Um, well, so. Jose, first of all, my heart breaks for you, my friend. And and I know that uh, because you're calling from the Philippines, that it's a very different time of day there for you than it is for us here. So uh, you're either up very late or up very early. I know that. And I can appreciate the fact that you love your wife. I know. I know that you're sorry for what you did. And the fact that you lied afterwards is kind of par for the course. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it good, but it's pretty typical that, that people during an affair will lie and people after the affair will lie. And that does a great deal of damage, as you know. Now, one thing you said, let me, and I'm, I don't think you probably meant it the way you said it, but let me just react to how you said it anyway. You said, how can I make her see? You can't. You can't make anybody do anything. And that probably was just a semantic thing and probably not what you're trying to say. You want her to see that you're penitent, that you're sorry. You want her to see that you're a different man, that you love her, that you want to make things right. A couple of things you're going to need here, my friend. One is you're going to need a tremendous amount of patience. Because of the fact that this uh, this hurt she feels, this distrust that she has, is not going to heal itself overnight. And uh, in all likelihood, people around her who know about the affair are probably feeding her a bunch of junk in terms of, well, you can never trust Jose again. You can't trust a man who does that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so she's probably getting a lot of bad advice. And so the first thing then is patience. The second thing is consistency. Jose become that man that you know you can be, should be, and want to be. And you live that as consistently as you can. Now, no, you're thinking, but wait a minute, she's not talking to me now. I'm not having any contact with her. There'll be people in your world, I'm assuming there'll be people in your world that interact with you who also interact with her. And by your consistently becoming the best Jose you can be, physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, like we talk about when we talk about the pies. If you do that, at some point, what you're hoping for is that somebody communicates that to her. Hey, Jose's become a better man. Jose is doing, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Now don't try to set that up. (laughs) Don't get one of your friends. What I need you to do is go tell my wife how much better I'm doing. If you do that, it's going to backfire on you. So don't do that. But you, Jose... Just be patient, understand the great pain she feels and that there's not anything you can do immediately that's going to fix this. So be that man, that good man, that Jose you want to be and live it consistently. And over time, over time, what we hope for is that she will hear about that. And then you will have some interactions where she'll begin to see that. That's what I hope for you, my friend. Thank you guys all being with us for the last 90 minutes. We're now out of time, and we'll begin next Monday. Thank you, and may life be wonderful for you.